0: This Sunday, two events in the story of Jesus occur together in our celebration. The Epiphany of our Lord and the Baptism of our Lord. You heard the story of the coming of the Magi and their adoration in the Gospel lesson for today. The Baptism of Jesus is tied together with his temptation by the devil In Mark's Gospel, and that's the second text from Mark chapter 1. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn open and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and angels waited on him. This is the second text in the name of Jesus. These back-to-back church notices, Epiphany and Baptism, are transitional in the church year. The festival of the Epiphany marks the end of the Christmas season, and the commemoration of the baptism of Jesus marks the beginning of his public ministry, along with the temptation and his arrival up in Galilee. One looks back, the other looks forward. But with the gospel writers, both use the story to mark a beginning, and both use the story to look forward, but in ways unique to each writer. So, in our message for today, we're first of all going to look at the stories, then we'll get at that greater thing that is involved, moving beyond the story itself. And then thirdly, we'll discover how we can make more of this more in our lives and in the lives of others. Part 1. The Beginning of the Story Matthew's account of the adoration of the Magi is often conflated with Luke's account of the birth of Jesus. So it's quite common on Christmas cards and even creches to see Mary, Joseph, the child, the shepherds, and the Magi all at a stable. But in fact, this story took place somewhat later, perhaps as much as two years later, where Mary and Joseph are in a house in Bethlehem. The Magi who come, are astrologers, those who can read and track the stars. These were the scientists of antiquity, the NASA of the day, and their knowledge and insight was highly prized. They come to Jerusalem looking for a newborn king, as signified by this star, and they meet Herod the Great, who ruled On behalf of Rome from about 36 BC till about 4 BC, Herod was brutal and quite paranoid, killing a number of his sons whenever he was suspicious of them and even one of his most prized wives because he was suspicious of her. So this news of a newborn king, he would have interpreted as a threat. He consulted with the religious leaders about where the Messiah was to be born and sent the Magi to Bethlehem and ask them to return and tell him so that he could come and worship the child also. Yeah, right. The Magi, they follow the star, come to the home, present their gifts, and return by another way. But as we all know, that's not the whole story. For in a dream, Mary and Joseph are directed to flee to Egypt, because Herod is seeking the life of the child. And Herod tries to kill the child by killing all the young children, the young males in particular, in Bethlehem. A tragic uh, act of violence, which is not without irony at this time, when so many children have been killed and are being killed in the conflict in the Holy Land right now. In fact, our Lutheran friends at Christmas Church in Bethlehem, Christmas Lutheran Church, have redone their manger scene this year to take into account the presence of Christ, even in the midst of this great tragedy. Mark's origin story is quite different. It's notable for what's not there. There's no birth account and Mark moves rapidly from these early stories to the most important story in his gospel, the crucifixion of Jesus. The baptism and temptation of Jesus together mark the beginning of Jesus' public ministry in Mark's gospel and his proclamation, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. But the stories themselves are quite sparse. Only three points are made about the baptism, The heavens were opened, the spirit descended, and a voice spoke from above. This is my son. The temptation account is equally sparse. That spirit who descended drove Jesus into the wilderness. There's nothing about the temptations themselves, only that Jesus was with the wild beasts and angels ministered to him. Now both these stories, the Adoration of the Magi, and the baptism slash temptation of Jesus are well known. But there's something more going on in both of them. Part two, Greater Things Than These, what the gospel writers are doing with the stories that they tell. With this Sunday, we're beginning a new sermon series titled Greater Things Than These this series will look at stories from the life of Jesus and point to the not so obvious elements that give us great insight into who this Jesus is and what he is about, that something greater. Matthew's story is the story of the adoration. And in addition to the magi and the child, There are four other points that are central in Matthew's story. There's a Roman official, Herod the Great. There are religious leaders who are consulted about where the Messiah is to be born. The city is in turmoil because of the news of a newborn king. And the result is the shedding of blood. Fast forward to the end of the Gospel, and we see something quite similar with the crucifixion of Jesus. There is a Roman official, Pontius Pilate, who asks Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? There are religious leaders involved, such as Caiaphas. The city is in turmoil, some of them even crying, Crucify him, crucify him. And the result is the shedding of blood. What we have here is a literary device called inclusion. That is, what happens at the beginning of the story anticipates what is coming at the end. And in fact, what comes at the end is of greater importance than what is at the beginning. The cross is ultimately what matters to Matthew, who it was, who was crucified, and why he was crucified. As the Old Testament pointed to the coming of the Messiah, this gospel points ahead to the cross. That's where everything is heading. That's what it's all about. To quote Paul from his letter to the Corinthians, nothing but Jesus Christ and his him crucified. For Matthew, the sentimental story of the adoration of the Magi points to something more fundamental, the crucifixion of Jesus. There is also something more going on in Mark's account. The baptism of Jesus, especially the voice from above, affirms that Jesus is the Son of God, a major theme of Mark. But it's that reference to the wild beasts that catches my attention. See, Mark is recording the preaching of Peter around the time of Peter's death. Peter was one of a number of Christians, including Christian leaders like Paul, who lost their lives in a great persecution following the fire of Rome that Nero blamed on the Christians. This meth- this reference to wild beasts, again found only in Mark, says that Jesus is in solidarity with those who suffered. Jesus experienced the diabolical, even as his followers did under Nero. Peter would write elsewhere in his letter, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that's coming upon you. Jesus was with the wild beasts, even as some of them were sent to be torn apart by animals. Jesus was there with the diabolical and the wild. As a way of saying Jesus is with them when they face the diabolical in the wild and the wild in their lives. Mark's approach is a bit more subtle than Matthew's where Matthew stresses that the cross is fundamental even in early stories, Mark's telling makes the story of Jesus applicable and relatable to the very lives of those to whom he is writing. The something more in these stories is present in both accounts. Matthew anticipates the cross, it's fundamental. Mark points to similarities between the Jesus story and the experience of his audience, making the story of Jesus relevant and applicable. Jesus and the cross meet people where they are. That's the something more. More with more. Part 3. There's an invitation in these stories to learn from the larger context what the writer is doing by telling the story. When we do that with these two stories, as we have just done, there is for us good news and opportunity. First, the good news. Now, there's much sentimentality connected with the story of the adoration of the magi at Epiphany. But sentimentality is worth about as much as an old Christmas tree on the curb when it comes to the challenges of life. Sentimentality is of little help with the struggles of life, when sin's getting the upper hand, when families splinter, when serious disease persists, when relationships fray, when death draws near. But a story that points beyond itself to the cross, in the cross, there is absolution for sin. In cross, there is true healing, safe in the arms of Jesus. The cross makes reconciliation possible with God and with others the cross is held before our eyes and it shines through the gloom and points us to the skies, especially at the end. At the heart of the Christian story is the good news of what Jesus, what God has done in Jesus on the cross. We need you, Lord. We need you. Every hour, we need you. The cross is fundamental, and that's good news. But in these stories, there is also opportunity. Mark frames his stories to make them relevant to his traumatized community. When Jesus encounters the wild and the diabolical in Mark's narrative, Mark aligns Jesus with the traumas his hearers are experiencing. Jesus is like them in every respect, except without sin. And while this move on Mark's part is so helpful to us individually, yes, Jesus does understand the very things that trouble you and me. It is also an opportunity for us to recognize this relevance for our neighbor in need. Jesus can relate to and be present to help even in the most trying of circumstances. And Jesus is in it for the long haul. He was in the wilderness after all for 40 days. Now in the Bible, the number 40 is a number to be sure, but it's also a way of saying a really long time. How does our neighbor get to know of and experience this persistent help from Jesus? It happens when we come alongside them in their challenges. When we're willing to stay with them through the 40 days of their wilderness experience, or if necessary, the 40 years in the wilderness. When we are the sign of Jesus for them, where they are at that moment. It's rather subtle in Mark, this brief mention of wild beasts in the temptation story, but it spoke to the heart of Mark's hearers in their trauma. And it opens doors of opportunity for us to do the same. Angie was a cute little girl, about seven years old, long curly hair. Her parents loved her dearly, and she had one of those smiles that is infectious. But tragedy struck the family. Angie, contracted a virulent form of childhood leukemia. And no matter what the doctors tried, no matter how much her parents prayed, no matter how much their friends prayed, Angie got worse and worse. There would be no miracle cure. Her end was near. When the pastor visited Angie at the hospital, she was just a frail reflection of herself lying there in bed, so small, so vulnerable. He tried to comfort her, to take her hand, but she just looked at him listlessly. Then he noticed there was some paper and crayons on her hospital table. So he rolled them over to her and said, Angie, would you draw a picture for me? After a minute, Angie nodded, lifted herself a bit in bed, and began to draw. To draw. It was a figure of a house with a tree in the backyard, not unlike the home where her parents were raising her. It had a peaked roof, flowers in front, and a little stick figure of a girl with long, curly hair standing in front of the house. But then she took other crayons and drew flames leaping from the windows and the roof of the house. It was a conflagration. And that little girl in front of it all. She slid her drawing to the pastor. What would he say? The pastor also took a crayon, and he drew on the picture as well. He drew a picture of a man with long hair and a beard, a stick figure, right next to the stick figure of the little girl holding her hand. He slid the picture back to Angie. She looked at it, and she smiled. This is our opportunity. Our opportunity, because Jesus was with the wild beasts and took on the diabolical, even on the cross, for us. The juxtaposition of these two stories marks in the church the transition from Christmas to the Epiphany season. But the biblical writers point to something more, something greater than just a nice story. They point to the cross, our only hope, and the relevance of Jesus who is right there with us in all the trials of life and through us is with others in their moment of testing. Takeaways. In these stories from the life of Jesus, be attentive to the greater things than these that are involved in the story. Hear the good news of Jesus, crucified and risen for you. And then, embrace the opportunity to be the representative of Jesus with those who desperately need him, even as you do. Whose hand will you hold this week?